KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're back recording in your spare room. With our, you know, podcast machine. Look at us go. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is backwards, not forwards. Sitting on the floor of the spare bedroom. It's lovely. Bringing me back. Well, it's not memories of COVID because we couldn't record together, but I'm not sure. But we were sitting both in our spare rooms virtually during COVID for so long. And now you're just on the other side of the bedside table. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, how how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm good because in about an hour we will be out for dinner together with one of our best mates, Mina. And we are well overdue for like a girls' night and a bit of a... Bit of a drink. It'll be nice to catch up. So I'm very, very good. How are you? Oh, I'm the same. Imagine I was like, yes, I'm going to the same dinner and I'm dreading it. No, no, I'm very <laughs> excited. Um, and do you have a mm. special share for us? I do. So I'm watching. Or anything else you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, I'm going to Sydney on the weekend. Yes. Which will be, um, which will be fun. I'm hosting a, an event by Squarespace called the Make It Awards, which I'm a little bit nervous about, but also excited. Don't be nervous. I don't know why you're nervous. You're literally a killer host. No, I okay. I was about to say I'm a killer host of like <laughs> our tours maybe, but I'm not a killer host. I'm just not. But I'm excited. Positive self-talk you sometimes are. Sometimes pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, magic happens. So I'm, I'm just excited. It'll be – That'll be good. Just a little trip from by myself. I might do a little bit of what you did last week in Sydney and take myself out for dinner by myself. When isn't the awards at night? Yeah, but like I have to eat at some point. Oh, so you, it's not dinner at the awards. You eat after. Yeah, well, I yeah. I highly probably. recommend. This week I went on a mm. date night just with myself, mm. and it was just divine. I used to do that all the time when I lived in New York, and I loved it. So nice. Yeah. And I think I used to not want to do it because I was like, oh, people think I have no friends. No, like, honestly, nice. who cares? It's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I no, was saying, recommend. I was saying, guys, because Laura put up some stories saying that she went and did that and she loves sparkling water, this one. And there was one of those green bottles of sparkling water, but it was kind of in the background of her shot. And so it looked small. And I thought it was a beer. <laughs> and it was so funny because the story was like, I took myself out for dinner and I had like a glass of wine in front of her. And I almost DM'd her. Like, I was so close to DM you being like, um, who did you catch up with for dinner? <laughs> like, I was lying. <laughs> I was like, shit, you're coming out, mate. <laughs> it was San Pellegrino. Yes. Yeah. It's all good. It was just me. Oh, my god. You can gosh. check the cameras when I was on there. It was just me. Oh but, um, no, I do have a special share as well. I've been watching this show called um, Everything I Know About Love and it's based on a really, really popular book which I think is based off the writer's real stories from her life. It is. And it's really good. It's kind of like... It pulls on the like nostalgia strings because it's the most of it's set kind of in 2015 and the the girls in it are in like their 20s. I think there might be like 24, 23 and it's 2015. So obviously like we were a little bit younger at that point, but 
just even the fashion that they're wearing and like the music that's playing, there's all that sort of stuff. But also I feel like everything that happens so far anyway, it's just like I feel like there's there's little parts that everyone can relate to. I think as a young woman growing up um, and maybe moving out on their own or their friendships kind of going through waves and meeting boys and all that sort of stuff or just getting into the dating dating scheme. And it was just like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm enjoying it. It's easy, it's easy to watch. It's nothing like you know, groundbreaking, but I'm enjoying it. And I've seen it advertised everywhere. Mm. Is it on stand? Yes. that's. A I think it's on stand because I, I've driven past a lot of billboards. I think so. They're doing a lot of advertising. Yeah, so. I believe it is stand. I mean, no, no, this right, is not right. sponsored though. This is a free <laughs> ad from Steph. <laughs> oh but gosh. no, I really, really, really want to watch it. Yeah. No, I think you'd like it. Yeah. Do you have a special show? Yes. And I... I don't know if I, – I don't think you would have had time to watch it because I watched it on the plane mm. and I got – I loved it. Mm. I got on the plane on Wednesday night and I was like, I'm going to download something and I saw J-Lo mm. and I was like, I usually like movies with J-Lo. must mm. be a new movie, download. But it was actually – Marry docu- Me? No, it was oh. it was a, her documentary. Oh. It's called Halftime oh. and it is really, really good. Oh, cool. I – haven't thought a lot about J-Lo in my life. That's true. I, I don't really know much about her. No, but it's – you watch it and you just get this, like the level of respect I have for her. I love it after when you watching watch it. Oh, my goodness. It's not that I didn't that have it before. I just no, didn't but really think about her. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was really interesting. It speaks a lot as well about she was in the Super Bowl halftime – I'm guessing that's why it's called halftime – performance and maybe also because she turned 50. I'm, I don't know. I just mm. made that up. I'm mm. not sure. But um, the Super Bowl performance in 2020, she was in the middle mm. and she headlined, which is like a huge, obviously mm. amazing mm-hmm. – I think it's they kind of said it in the show it's the best thing that you can kind of do but they had uh obviously as a latino woman she was so proud to do it but they put her with shakira which there's no beef between the two mm-hmm. of them but it was really interesting seeing that play out and that they kind of said well why couldn't you just have one of us mm. it's like we're not enough when you usually have mm. one artist but they they had to share right. it uh which was interesting but just the way that she and she also said it was interesting she, she spoke about if she had have done these things that she was doing and also her new move or her newish movie hustlers hustlers she got nominated for a few things but yeah. she also missed it was really good acting by her it's a good movie yes have you not seen it yes i have oh, i yeah. have okay and she missed a lot of uh, there was a few awards that she missed out on and just like seeing the disappointment in her when she didn't get it and mm. when she put so much into that movie because she was also producing mm. it. And it was so interesting to hear her speak about it because when she was really down, she then reflected that, like, I don't do this. No one is going to have impact from me because mm. I love you because you won three Grammys. Yeah. It's going to be like, I love you because you you sung this song and it got me through blah or yeah. you inspired me to, you know, to be able to do whatever it might but be. But it's still nice to get like It that, is, it know, is. But it was nice to see her – it was just – it was so true. It's such a reminder that I think sometimes we think that we need all of these other forms of validation yeah. when it's like if you're making an impact, that's the mm. most important thing. But it's also kind of cool to be reminded that like, you know, celebrities on whatever level are always just normal people who hold themselves to like a certain level and still, you know, no matter how famous they might be or no matter how much money they make, it's like when things like this happen and they're nominated for someone – for something they're still kind of bummed if they don't win do you know i feel like there's like a yes. lot of real because you to think that. they're per- you just like, think what, they don't need they that. don't exactly yeah. they don't need it to feel like they've done enough but for, for jayla listening it was yeah. like she felt watching she, it's like she felt like she had to do these things to like validate mm. her career and it was interesting too when she got the super uh, bowl halftime performance she she had said i wouldn't have been able to do this 
because she's wanted it forever mm. but five years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago I wouldn't have been able to do it because I wasn't ready to give it what I was able to give it and I didn't know enough That's and it was cool. so interesting because yeah. she's you know she's 50 years old she's been in the industry for such a long time and it was kind of I don't know what the word is like not humbling but just like I felt more at peace and mm. it's kind of like if someone like J-Lo wasn't ready to do this huge like perform at the Super Bowl mm. when she had such a successful career from very early on just kind of I was like oh Maybe we need to put less pressure on ourselves. Yes, you do. Because even J Lo, like you know, <laughs> wasn't ready for the Super Bowl until she was fifty. So no, yeah. it was. I, I really oh, enjoyed great. it. I, I really loved it. I highly recommend on Netflix. Yeah, cool. Thanks. It's about an hour and a half. Love it. Great watch. Oh my gosh, I yes. love that. Well, thank you. I'm gonna do that one. You're welcome. <laughs> and now, okay. <laughs> and now for another great watch. A live workout of Laura. I'm not sure if <laughs> it can be watch. compared to J Lo's. Um, documentary oh. but <laughs> no it's also filmed on an iPhone I feel like they had better production <laughs> the documentary no 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 I joke I joke I joke so no. what Laura is speaking about is part of workout in winter we are running lives within the app every fortnight uh, you might have joined in on the one that I did with Leo the other week so this one is coming up on Monday at 7 a.m. First thing in the morning with Leo and Lawsy and you'll be getting taken through a 30-minute full-body strengthener power Pilates flow and it is that workout for the day. So it's kind of like if you're in the workout and winter challenge and you're going to be logging on and doing it anyway, you might as well do it live with hundreds of others and Lawsy. It's very exciting. I'm very, very excited to yeah. do that. So all you have to do is be in the app to access the live and you will you will send out some reminders but you'll also see a reminder in the first banner on our homepage, and that is actually where you click in to find the live as well which is in the app yeah amazing yeah looking forward to it's it it's exciting looking forward to it and yeah new winter recipes oh they're so good they're so yeah. yummy what's your favorite my favorite has been the baked mushroom and chicken risotto i am a sucker you for love risotto, risotto i do you? i really do and it's just for me it's like it's just warm and yummy and so filling and that recipe serves six and like sometimes like Josh and I because we just love our food like sometimes we you know more more than the nutritionalist recipe servings but this one is like so deliciously filling and rich and everything that like it definitely goes like the six person serving if you know what I mean and it was so good because I had leftovers all week and I it was just no one's listening. I bet if Dalton and I had it though <laughs> Every recipe eat, that serves eat, no. six, it is in our household yeah. for one night yeah. and one night only. Yeah, but so it's a good, it's a good meal. What, what you're saying, it's, it's good a good for meal leftovers for leftovers, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a good bat, like yeah. a meal prep. Yes, batch, it's a really batch, great, meal prep. Really great meal prep. I thoroughly enjoyed having it for the rest of the week. Love it. I love the baked gnocchi. Oh god, definitely will gnocchi. serve not only two people but in our house. Yeah. <laughs> one night only. <laughs> That one night only is the name of something I don't know. Anyway, I'm, let's move I'm on from you. <laughs> but yeah, highly recommend trying our new winter recipes. They are so scrumptious. Yeah, they're really good in the kick app. Mm. Oh, you can look at the website too if you want. You can log in. Whatever you're going to do. <laughs> and we still have our, if you want to join kick, you can still join for $25 for three months. You can sign up by the app or the website. Yes, that is a limited time offer. Um, but as always, we also, separate to that, have a seven-day free trial. So today we have got the incredible Liv Rogers on the podcast for the third time, which is very exciting. We love chatting to Liv. Liv was actually one of our panellists on the Kick Tour and 
we obviously we didn't record the Kikshua and this is definitely a different chat mm. but we were like we want to talk to Liv yeah. again because Liv just has so much amazing advice and yeah. I just love listening to her tell Everything her story. She to say. She's so open and raw on social media. She speaks quite openly about her experience with her skin journey um, and that she's, you know, she's gone sober. She's in sobriety and she speaks really openly about that, which is great because it's kind of helping remove the stigma around, you know, drinking and stopping drinking and doing that for yourself. She's also just a brush of fresh air, I think, the way that she speaks so honestly about things. And she is like so sure of who she is and the direction she wants to go in but she hasn't always been that way so she's just got a really good way of kind of telling her story and how she kind of works that out so I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Liv welcome to the kick pod. Thanks it's so nice to do this with you in person this time. We're so excited to have you and also just so everyone listening I don't think it's going to make any difference but Steph and I are sharing a microphone. It's literally going to make no Oh, in the sense, it's literally going to make no difference. This is a bit funny because we have to like pop our heads in. But anyway, <laughs> we have one broken mic. But anyway, Liv, your microphone is working well. And that's... <laughs> I'm solo. That is what it's about. Thank Obviously, Steph is finding me quite funny this morning. Anyway, <laughs> Liv, okay, so we have had you on the podcast before and you also... That was about maybe like 18, maybe more, two years ago. The first time, yeah, but we've, we've done one in between. We had two virtual... Have we done three points. now? This is number three. This is how much we love I know. you. Oh, <laughs> I'm so flattered. We're so grateful to it's have you. And you like, also came on the kick tour. Yeah, I did. I know. I can't wow. get enough of kick. <laughs> or maybe we can't get enough of you anyway. <laughs> so to start off with, we would love for you... And this is actually a new question, so I don't think you would have answered this last time. Okay. We would love for you to introduce yourself. Because obviously there's a lot of bios about you online and, you know, there's all these things that, that you do that are incredible. But if you could write your own intro and your own bio, what, what would you say? Who oh, are you? I always find this question tricky because, like you said, there are a few different tabs um, a few different ways that I'm described and you know I know we're going to be talking about confidence and self-belief but I also sometimes like cringe at myself when I introduce myself I don't know if you guys get that um, but I to think, own it I know you do you do and I tell people that but then I struggle to take my own advice um, I think for me the first thing that sort of comes to mind is like that I'm a nerdy speech pathologist from Adelaide who just happened to you know, have a big change in careers and now I'm just trying to help people in in any which way I can, I suppose. We did want to touch on, you know, the last time we chatted or maybe it was the time before that because we've forgotten how many times we chatted to, which is awesome. You did talk to that experience of going from speech pathology and leaving that and going off and doing your own thing and you've done many amazing things since then. I mean, you're an author of a beautiful book and you've done some incredible collaborations, that one that we both really love. With Bianco, it was such a beautiful launch and the jewellery is beautiful, so well done. You must feel very proud of all of that. But how how do you feel since we last spoke and everything that's been going on? How do you feel in yourself? Are yeah, you proud? I am proud. I feel like that's a, um, a tricky one in Australia because I think it's something we've spoken about before. Maybe it was on the kick tour, how we have sort of been taught, like you've got to believe in yourself and be confident, but don't be too confident mm. because then you're arrogant. So it is kind of hard to be like, yeah, I'm really proud of myself, but but I am. And I think in this industry, it's tricky because there are such high highs. Like, you know, publishing a book is so exciting and amazing. 
and being part of a jewellery collaboration is so exciting and amazing. And there are lots of other things I've got in the works that are quite big and exciting. Then I think the day-to-day stuff can feel so different. It's such a contrast. So it's hard to sort of keep backing yourself when there are those periods of time where it's not as busy or it's not as maybe in your face. Because I feel like people are like, oh, what are you working on now? Like people are waiting for you to tell them the next big thing. So you, there's this pressure to to live up to that, I think. And that can be tricky. So I think I do have to sort of keep backing myself and remembering, you know, where I came from and what I have done and reflecting on that definitely helps. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And with, with the book for, for one of those things that you have done, was that something like, because obviously when you're writing something like that, you revisit a lot of things. Did that make you feel immensely proud of how far you've come? And what was your favorite part about like when you were writing Oh, actually writing it was so hard. Yeah. I found it so, so hard. I think I thought that I would find it therapeutic the whole way through Mm. because I was writing a lot about really difficult times in my life because the intention of the book is to help people going through similar experiences. So I was really digging deep and and visiting some tricky, tricky stuff. Um, And it was hard. Like I found it hard revisiting it and then you read, you guys would know with your book, like you read over it so many times, you have to edit it so many times and then it gets sent off and gets edited, comes back. You've got to read through the whole thing. And by the end of it all, I was so over it. And I was like, this is, this is so shit. I don't like this book anymore. Like, is anybody going to like this? I think it's like anything when you look at it too many times, it's hard to see it from a different lens. So it was really hard. But now that it's done and once it was sent off to be printed and everything and I couldn't nitpick and touch it anymore then I was like okay this is good and having the feedback from people Mm. you know all I wanted was to reach other people and and hopefully help you know one person was my was my goal I was trying to not focus on book sales and and all of that stuff because I think you can get bogged down in all of that so I just hoped that it would reach people and help people and you know the messages that I get from from girls or from mothers or sisters or even brothers saying that the book has helped a family member or helped them in some way like that's the most amazing thing to me and it was all worth it all of that pain and all the tears (laughs) so Liv you you touched before on the high highs and the low lows and I think while obviously what what we do is unique in some ways and there's a lot of people listening that, that might have a nine-to-five job and so it might be a little bit different. Mm. But I think that is definitely something that a lot of people can relate to in that, you know, you might be at work working on a really exciting project and that, that you know, there's the in-between things or the parts of your job and, and our jobs that we don't actually enjoy. Yeah. But, you know, they come with it. And I, I think there's kind of at the moment there's a lot of people kind of and, and from COVID a lot of people went through a lot of change and thinking about am I in the right career am I in the right company and, and all of those things but I think it's also important obviously that's such a good thing to think about and reflect on but then at the same time I think it's also really important to acknowledge that not every job is a, you're not going to love every second of I don't think I've ever met anyone in my whole life that has loved every second of everything that they do because there's yeah. always things that you know are really hard so I wanted to ask for you in particular, when you kind of have to navigate those really high highs and then into a low, like a low, and when you say a low, low, it's not that it's a sad time. It's just Mm. that, you know, you might not have this huge thing. It's like, you know, you've got all your publicity and your press from your book and you're doing all these interviews and you're probably back to back, you know, for like three weeks. And then you have a week of 
Nothing. And, and I find that, and when I say nothing, it's just like not, not as busy. It's not, you just know, 8am to 8pm yeah. interviews. And it is really hard to sit in that space and not be like, oh, I should be doing things. I should be doing things and I need to do more because you just think of comparison and yeah. kind of you go into that trap and then you kind of get in a spiral. So how do you, the longest winded question ever, but how do you navigate that and all those feelings? I think it's just coming back to your purpose and why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I'm so glad that I went back to speech pathology and did that for a while and tried to navigate everything all at once and then stepped away from it because I think when I have those moments, I'm like, oh, well, I should be doing more. I should probably go back to speech. But because I had that experience and it almost broke me because I was so stressed, I'm, I'm glad I don't fall into that anymore. Like I feel like it's a bit of a trap where you have those those lulls I suppose in what you're doing and then you're thinking oh am I doing the right thing should I be doing more so you just have to come back to why you're doing what you're doing what your purpose is what your goals are and just keep reflecting on that I think you know have it in front of you on your desk I've got a little um, notebook that has you know my to-do list as well as my goals and I just yeah I just try to reflect on that and not to put too much pressure on myself and try not to compare myself to other people because we're all on different paths and you know, even though I am doing similar things to some people, no two people are exactly the same and none of us are doing the exact same thing. You know, even you and Steph, like you guys work together and you have this business together, but you're still so different and you're still on different paths. So, and I think that's really cool. So I think it's so important to not get caught up in in comparison and, and just really reflect on why you're doing what you're doing. And if it is not the right thing for you, then you'll figure that out by reflecting on it. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, I can speak from a personal, obviously from, from myself, I feel like the older I'm getting, the more sure of myself I am and I know who I am and where I'm going and I can always kind of come back to that. Are you feeling that too? Like as you get older, you're becoming more and more sure of the direction you want to go. And so if something isn't necessarily serving you or isn't making you feel as excited, you know that there's some other way you can pivot to make it work for you. And like, you know who you are, you know what you want to do. What would you say to someone who might be a little bit younger and like obviously, you know, it's one of those things that I think the older you get, the more experience you have. Mm. It's something you do learn. But what are some words of wisdom, I think, for people who continue to have self-doubt in what they're doing or in themselves and who maybe haven't really found out who they are? I mean, I feel like we we never really get to a point where it's like we're done and this is who yeah. I am and, you know, my mould is finished. Uh, but, yeah, what would you say to someone who's, who's still trying to figure out how to know that they're going in that right direction? I think you need to experiment like you've got to give things a go because if you just stick to one path because you think you're supposed to like for example with speech pathology I remember when I was about to you know go out into the big wide world and try and get a job once I'd finished my degree we had this session and it was all about your like social footprint um, social media footprint and what you were putting out there to the world and how that was going to impact your potential work and we had this lecture and I said to her like I don't know what to do because she was saying you know you've got to have a Twitter you've got to have your um no make your Instagram private and be really careful about what's on Facebook and all of your social media stuff should go hand in hand with your work and I said well you know I do want to be a speech pathologist but I also have my art and and at the time I I think I had maybe 10,000 followers on Instagram just from like posting random modeling stuff and and that kind of thing so I said you know I've got 
all these different tabs and I don't want to close them off. Like I, I don't think that I should have to. So how should I navigate that? And she said, no, you've kind of got to pick one thing. And that was such bad advice <laughs> because I was saying to her, like, I don't want to do that. But she was like, nah, look, if you, if you want to be a speech pathologist, then you've got to focus on that and, you know, give it your all and not focus on the other things. And in hindsight, I'm so glad I didn't listen to her. Like what I did was make sure that my social media was, I guess, appropriate in in all different settings and that I could have a potential boss look at my page and think, yeah, I would hire her even though she does all these other things. But I think, you know, it can be if you do listen to people like that who are telling you you've got to do one thing, then you cut off all your other potential opportunities by narrowing yourself down and focusing in on maybe the wrong thing. So I think it's staying open-minded and that can be daunting because then you're like, well, what is it? What is the thing? But you'll get there eventually. I think, you know, it's trial and error and you've got to give things a go to figure out whether they are for you or not. That is such good advice, Liv. I think too, thinking about that university lecturer, I feel like that type of thinking is just, we need to move away from that because it's kind of, inferring that to be a speech pathologist or whatever the career might be you need to look and be a certain Mm. way and like you have to be this fit into this exact mold or you can't do it and I think what and it's amazing all of the kind of the young generation coming up now I feel like they're doing such a good job of challenging those things and challenging the norms Um, and so yeah it's so important it's hard though I feel like for for young people if you are kind of your university lecturer is probably someone that you look up to like we are told in the system that this person is someone who we're meant to listen to and you're doing a class on social how to put yourself up on social media and so to go against that is sometimes really really hard but obviously that's why it's so important to back yourself I wanted to ask you touched on the fact that you know like you're really clear on what you want to do and you've got that in front of you like on your desk and you know every single day and that's kind of helps you get to where you are which is incredible how much of confidence and kind of self-belief in yourself do you think has also contributed to that because I think it's that's probably one of the hardest hardest things in the whole world to back yourself And to push through like what your university lecturer said and, you know, all of those things. What, yeah, how much of your, I suppose, your success since you've left speech pathology do you attest to self-belief and believing in what you can do? Oh, so much. I think if it wasn't for me backing myself, then I never would have quit. And I probably would just be doing speech pathology full time because there's so much judgment that comes with doing something different. And I do think you know, like you said, the younger generation, it's changing and they're challenging different um, moulds and that kind of thing, which is great. But there still is a lot of judgment that comes with doing anything creative or anything that sort of goes against the norm or anything that doesn't have a really specific job title. Um, And I think I still feel a lot of judgment from the older generation when I do describe, try to describe what I do. Um, Because if I just say, oh, I'm a speech pathologist, I can see the respect, like I can feel it. Mm-hmm. But if I say I'm an influencer, people roll their eyes or like they try not to, but I can see that on their face as well. So I, yeah, I definitely had to back myself. And it's hard because I think when you're saying to someone, and I, I think you've spoken about this before, Steph, like with modeling, you feel like you've got to add 
additional explanations to it like if you just say oh I'm a model then you feel the judgment from people so you want to say oh but I'm also doing this like when I was modeling and studying at uni I would always start with I'm studying to be a speech pathologist because it felt more impressive um, or it gave me more substance which is just so ridiculous like I hate that it's that way Um, so yeah I think you've got to back yourself because yeah like I said I I wouldn't have quit because the judgment that came with it like I I literally had people messaging me saying oh I respected you so much for doing speech and everything else Um, and that feels different now like or people would say you know what are you going to do with all your time and at the time I was writing a book but I couldn't talk about that and it was really hard to not bite back and say well I'm bloody writing a book but you know you guys don't know about it but sitting in that and and feeling I guess getting comfortable feeling uncomfortable and feeling like I didn't have to prove myself because I knew what I was doing and I was backing myself like you've just got to be your biggest cheerleader sometimes because you know the world can be very noisy and very judgmental. Oh my god absolutely and I mean bit of a gear change here but Speaking of confidence and the world being judgmental, something that you've been so open and vulnerable about uh, having a social media following is your experience with your skin. And that is something that can, unfortunately, our appearance can affect our confidence and how we feel in ourselves. And you speak so openly about your experience with it, which is so good for so many others who feel like they might be the only one or maybe they've got some friends who don't feel like they have the same struggle and you are that friend for them to to kind of speak speak to or to just hear of your experience and it's just one of those things that can be so hard to be so open and vulnerable about because we're all scared of judgment we're all scared of judgment even if it's from a stranger and I would love to know you know your a, a little bit about your journey with that if you could share it for those who haven't already heard about it and why you feel like it's been important for you to use your platform to talk so openly about your skin yeah well thank you you're so kind um I I think when you have struggled with skin, which I have since I was 13, I'm now 30, so 17 long years of breakouts. And I, you know, you get told that it's a hormonal teenage thing. Um, So it becomes, I think, more frustrating as you get older because when you're a teen, at least you're like, okay, this is just a phase and I'll grow out of it. But, you know, going into my late 20s with acne, I felt so embarrassed because I was like, well, this is not supposed to happen now. I think the thing is it's so much more common than, than what we think and adult acne is probably just as common as mm. teen acne. I don't actually know the stats but I'm going to hazard a guess that it's pretty similar. I find it so reassuring to see real skin online that's not edited, that doesn't have a filter, that doesn't have makeup. So, you know, it helped me when I was having really bad skin days to – see someone else going through the same thing and at that point in time I wasn't really sharing it because I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't want judgment and I couldn't you know I wanted to sort of hide it because it does affect your confidence and I felt like putting it out there would make me less confident but it's actually had the opposite effect so the first time I shared breakouts online uh, I had such an amazing response the tricky thing is whenever I share it I get a lot of um, unsolicited advice of mm. how I should fix it. And that's not why I'm sharing it. Like I'm sharing it to to help other people to feel seen. Um, but that's just something that comes with it. And I get more used to that every time I put it up. But it's 
yeah, it's had the opposite effect because I feel more confident knowing that people see me online exactly as I am. So I know if people meet me in person, they're not going to be like, oh God, her skin's so bad. I didn't realize how bad her skin was. They see it. They see me looking, you know, every, every way that I can look, I suppose. And in a way it helps me to feel more confident. Yeah. When I meet people in, in real life, but the purpose is to help other people to feel seen. And I think there's something so powerful in that. And that's why I love social media. It can be so scary, social media, but I think it can be just so positive and so powerful when it's used in the right way. And I think that's one of those things that I'm loving seeing more and more people share vulnerabilities online. And a big one is is skin. Yeah. And I think there's there's so much in that, Liv, because it's, it's like the proof is kind of in the pudding with insecurities it's something that we we hide or that we're ashamed of and we don't talk about because we're worried everyone else is looking at it and they're just not saying anything to us but more often than not when you you don't have to love it you don't have to you know love that your skin breaks out you don't have to love an insecurity that you might have if you I don't know don't like your thighs or whatever if you have cellulite things that society have made us hate in ourselves you don't have to love those things but once you kind of accept that it's something that you have and you are open about it, it's like, who's going to say something about it? Do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, you've put your skin out there. It's not for someone to find and like yeah. say to you, did you know that you, you have a breakout? It's like, yeah, no, I know. I, that's why I posted about it. And I feel like that's kind of, it's like you take a weight off that insecurity on you. And I think that's such a good thing to share with others because it's one of those things. It's like, we all have insecurities no matter what they are. And as soon as you start kind of just living your life and, and making sure that you're, you, you know, you've got bigger fish to fry than, than the insecurities, particularly within our um, appearance. And once you kind of accept that and move through it and just be open with it, I think there's, there's so much in that as part of the journey of moving past it. So. Yeah. And I think with skin, like it is, you know, whether it's psoriasis or eczema or acne, there are so many different skin conditions. And I think people struggle with the same feelings around that it is that self-consciousness and lack of confidence and wanting to hide and not leave the house like literally when you have a bad skin day you you, it's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and it's something that you can't escape because you look at yourself every single day and yeah when you see on social media all these perfect faces it's really hard to then you know push yourself to to get out the door and to go out and be confident. So I think it's all about following the right people and making sure that you curate your feed in a way that helps you. And if there are people on there that are making you feel a bit icky, then you've got to unfollow them, get rid of them. I've found so many amazing skin positive pages and they help me. And so I know they'll help other people too, whether or not you have bad skin. I think pages like that are really, really helpful. With Steffi, what you just said about the and and live when you're speaking about you know once you put yourself out there it's like you're giving there's because when we think about fear and things that you know hold us back it might be going out with our friends for that weekend because we've had a breakout on our skin and or, or, I don't know if that's you know because then you you know you don't want people to see it because you're worried about what they're going to think or whatever it might be once you face the fear when it's something like that skin and I, I hope please after I say this like can you actually <laughs> 
<laughs> because I am very lucky in that I haven't had I haven't had acne before, so I'm speaking from how I feel of other experiences. But please make sure you either validate or non-validate this afterwards because I don't want to put any words in anyone's mouth. But I feel like once you, with anything in life, you have this fear. It might be at, at work with something like doing a presentation or or um, public speaking or whatever it might be. Once you do it or you put yourself out there and you say it, it's like you say the worst thing that can happen. And then you're taking the power. And this is what you were saying. I've really not, I've really butchered this, what I'm trying to say. But you've taken the power out of the fear. Mm-hmm. because fear is only powerful against us when we let it linger and you know if it's about skin it's like oh I don't want anyone to see but as soon as you put it out there it's like well everyone has seen and what's the worst thing that's going to happen like if anyone judges you for having a breakout on your skin mm-hmm. like that's on them 100%. but it's crazy how we let that fear like loiter there and we just need to take the power back so is that kind of what it feels like yeah definitely I feel like we always need to analyze our fears and analyze why we're feeling a certain way about something so you know this I think skin and also body image they're very similar in the Mm. things that you're scared of so you know if it is I've got you know severe acne today I don't want to see my friends because I don't want them to see it but why like Mm. are they going to not be friends with me because I have a breakout no same with you know if you're feeling like you've gained some weight and you don't want to see anyone why are they going to not be friends with you because you gained some weight? Like, no. If you're friends with the right people, then they're not going to make you feel bad about anything like that. So, yeah, I really think you've got to just push yourself to feel a bit uncomfortable and put yourself out there no matter what the insecurity is. And the more you do it, it's like anything, you know, practice makes you better and makes you more confident. So you just have to keep putting yourself out there. And every time it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And if it is, if you are, you know, if you feel embarrassed because someone says something, then don't hang out with that person Mm -hmm. or tell them that they make you feel uncomfortable if they point out a breakout or whatever it is. But again, you've just, you've got to back yourself and be confident and that's what is going to make you feel better about these things. I think hiding away only makes it feel worse. 100%. And I think the other thing I wanted to touch on was when you, and you speak so incredibly about it online and that's unsolicited advice. And it's something that I, we've spoken quite a bit about Steph recently on the podcast and it's, and something that I've had to really look deep into myself about and before I speak, think about it because I am someone, and I think a lot of us are, that if someone is telling you a problem, I'm like, here's my solution. Here you go. This, but a, 99 times out of 100, they don't want you to shout a solution to them or I don't shout, but, you know, just be really passionate about like, oh, well, don't worry, like I tried this and it worked for me. They just want you to, that you just want them to listen mm. and be like, that's, thank you for sharing or whatever it might be, but you're not really always wanting someone to come back and tell you that Roaccutane I feel like I've read one of your yeah. people just worked for the, for them and it cured what, you know, it got rid of all of their acne for the rest of their life. And you know that you've tried that or you maybe you haven't, but you know it's not going to work for you. So that advice isn't helpful. Yeah. But I think, yeah, just as humans, it's something that I don't know. I, like I'm definitely someone that does it. 
And it's something that now I'm very conscious of it and I try really hard not to always to go to advice. I just listen. Listen is listening yeah. is, you know, really, really powerful. Can you speak to that? So when you get that type of because I think the hardest thing is when we think of giving advice, we think of helping people. Like when mm-hmm. I think of it, I'm like, I'm being helpful. Like this helped me. So I want to help others. But it's not always the case. Can can you speak to why that isn't for you? That it doesn't always feel helpful? Yeah, I think that that is a big one for skin. People who struggle with skin, whatever the issue is, you've tried it all mm-hmm. already. Like I am putting myself out there to help people, but not in the way that's like, try this thing, it'll work for you. At the moment, I'm working with a dermatologist and it's been going really well and that is helping me and I'm sharing that journey because it might help other people. But it feels very different when I put something up and, you know, it might be just a bad breakout day and I'm sharing my skin to, you know, help other people to feel more confident and and you know I get messages of people saying oh I wasn't going to go to work today because I'm so embarrassed of my skin but you've given me the confidence to do that that is the point but then I get hundreds literally hundreds of messages saying you should try this topical cream or have you tried this herb or have you tried cutting this out of your diet or have you tried drinking celery juice every morning or have you literally hundreds of different things and I know that they all have the best intentions so it's hard because I'm getting frustrated with people for being kind and I know they're being kind, but when you're getting so many of them, if I was to then sit down and trial every single recommendation to see what works, like I would have no spare time. And it's overwhelming when you've already put so much time and money and effort into making your skin better, just to have people tell you to try either really random things that have no scientific backing what about like, do, do they tell you to try like those pyramid is. scheme um, oils? And th- I've had that a bit, yeah. not around, not about scheme, but the people have been like, try this. I also have a code. I'm like, this is not helpful. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, there's, they always, they usually have good intentions, but some of them have other intentions. Um, but no, there's yeah, just all sorts of things. And it's, I think it's, it's frustrating and it's overwhelming And you feel a bit defeated, I think. Like it's frustrating when that's not my point, but then you get hundreds of messages that have like missed the point. And even if I say at the top of the post, I'm not asking for recommendations, people will literally still comment Mm. with recommendations. I think it's something that like I have to just deal with because it's always going to happen. But I am trying to help people who haven't struggled that much with acne to understand that you can't just hand out recommendations willy-nilly like you know when they say oh you know my niece stopped eating dairy and and that fixed her skin I'm like that's great I'm very happy for her that that worked but I have- I am very happy for your niece <laughs> but I've done that and it hasn't worked for me or when people say oh Riaccutane was the best thing for me I literally have done two courses of Riaccutane once when I was 15 once when I was 22 and both times my skin my breakouts came back with a vengeance it didn't fix it for me so yeah, I think sometimes I feel like I'm banging my head against a brick wall because I'm like, no, like this isn't the point. Um, you know, it's like if someone puts up a body positive post, it's like people then saying, oh, babe, have you tried this diet? Like you wouldn't do that. People do do that, but you shouldn't do that. That's kind of how I see it with skin. It's like if someone's putting their skin out there, unless they're saying, can you please tell yeah. me what helped you? Just don't give advice as much as you want to help. Just don't. I think that's that's it. It's just unless it's a question, mm. maybe we should all and and laws don't feel bad because oh, no. we all do it. 
unless it's a question you really do have to just sit and pause and think I is think, this person actually asking for advice or uh-huh. maybe not maybe. I think <laughs> as a mum you probably get that a lot oh yeah I mean the worst period for me was the week that he was due because I just was inundated with ways and in, in how I can home induce or like mm. how I shouldn't um get induced by the hospital and so many different opinions that I absolutely didn't ask for so can relate to unsolicited advice that's for sure and I think it is really hard particularly when you are feeling a little bit lost and a little bit vulnerable like I'm sure there's been times where you have felt low in in a, in a bad skin week or skin month and and it's like I actually feel like I've tried everything and you do kind of dive into some of those DMs and you do actually think mm. about possibly trying them but then that would just turn into its own spiral mm. of like oh but you know then I'll have to go and spend all this and spend all this time and so absolutely it can be really hard particularly when you're feeling really vulnerable yeah but I think for for everyone else it's just that reminder that unless it's a question maybe try and keep it to yourself yeah I think because it can make it feel like it's your fault yeah like, exactly it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. because you know when people say oh babe you've just got to wash your sheets more often I'm like mm, I wash them very regularly That's- like I don't have dirty sheets like it's no <laughs> and, it, and it, there is this thing about acne that like you feel dirty and and it's not how it is but it's just it can make you feel that way and when people say oh just you know like change your um, pillowcase every day or um, wash your makeup brushes. All those things do help just generally speaking with hygiene. Um, But when people are giving you those kind of recommendations or drink more water or like really simple things that I already do, I'm like, oh, come on, (laughs) let me be. Yeah, yeah. And But even still, even though you do get that, it is still so incredible that you push past that and you keep posting it because you know that it is – helping people so thank you yeah I think good like, on you <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah I think it comes back to what we were saying before about figuring out if you're on the right path like coming back to your why and that's what I have to do with social media because it can be frustrating it can be overwhelming um, and it can be you know some days when I get a lot of negative messages about something I'm like oh why am I bothering but I've got to focus on the positive messages and the people that do say that it helps them and remember that that's the person that I'm doing it for and sort of just try and drown out the rest. And speaking of helping people through your platform, another thing you're very open about is quitting drinking, quitting alcohol, which I think, which you again, you speak very openly about in the Aussie culture particularly, it's actually a big deal. Like un- unfortunately, it's a big deal, particularly mm. if it's not attached to something like Um, addiction or anything like that it's something that you have decided to do for yourself and Mm. it shouldn't be a big deal it should just be whatever like it's like if you decide to wear blue or pink so what made you initially quit drinking and what made you kind of be so open about it with everyone so initially I I'd had a lot of big nights and I think it's so common that people wake up and you're like oh I'm never drinking again (laughs) but then you know next minute you're having a wine um I'd had that feeling many times but never actually thought what are the steps that I need to take to actually have some time off alcohol and I hadn't even done like a Feb fast or dry July or October um you know there are so many months where people take time off alcohol and I'd never done that because you know, say it was someone's birthday, I'd be like, oh, well, I've I've got a drink at that. Or someone's wedding or engagement party or whatever it was, I would find a reason to be like, oh, well, I can't do the whole month. Maybe I'll do a couple of weeks. Like I'd done, you know, little periods of time, but not 
not a whole month. And I hated the way alcohol was making me feel. It made me so anxious and I had anxiety, you know, hangover anxiety. Um, every time I drank, even if I only had had a couple of drinks, I still felt anxious the next day and I have anxiety as it is. And I just felt like I was exacerbating that. And I was choosing to do it. Like nobody was forcing the drink down my throat. But I think when you're in certain social situations, you feel like there is no alternative and you, everyone's having a drink. So, okay, I'll have a drink. And, you know, you maybe go with the intention of having one, but then someone buys another bottle of wine and you're like, oh, well, it'd be rude to say no. So you have a couple more. And that just kept happening. And I just kept having this anxiety that would also linger. Like it wasn't necessarily just the day after, like say we drank on a, my partner and I, if we went out on the Saturday night and I'd feel crap on the Sunday. And then that would linger Monday, Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday And then I'd start to feel like my normal self again, Thursday, Friday, and then do the same thing on the Saturday, drink too many wines or whatever it was and have this cycle just happening over and over again. And so I woke up this, it was a Saturday morning. Um, Justin and I had been out and had, you know, it was meant to be a couple of drinks turned into a couple of bottles of wine with a friend of ours. And yeah, I was feeling awful the next day Justin and I also used to have just stupid disagreements when there was alcohol involved because you know I would read into something the wrong way or I would react to something you know more dramatically than I would otherwise I think alcohol brought out all my insecurities and and that just wasn't fun um and then Justin sort of shuts down and so we like our our conflict style when there was alcohol involved was just like, it just didn't work. So that on top of it, I was like, okay, something's got to give here. Like something needs to change because it was just this really predictable cycle. Like I could tell you almost what was going to happen on a night out and I'd get anxiety before going out. Cause I'm like, okay, this could either be a really fun night or it could end in tears because I'll, you know, get annoyed at Justin about something really stupid. And often the next day, I couldn't even tell you how our disagreement started. That's how silly it was. So I, on this Saturday morning, it was the 1st of May and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do 30 days off. But I actually started looking into it. So I started researching, you know, I think I just typed in um, 30 days off alcohol. And the, one of the first things that came up was this alcohol-free uh, program. It's a 30-day challenge I suppose um, by Annie Grace who's American and I was like oh this sounds good the alcohol experiment and it's a forum and you can you know you put your name down it's all it's all free and you see all these other people and why they want to take some time off alcohol and and I was like oh wow like so many of these people's reasons are exactly the same as mine so it started with the intention of just doing the 30 days and they give you give you journal prompts for you know every day of the the 30 day challenge Um, So I started journaling and I was really reflecting on my relationship with alcohol and and what it was doing to my life. And about two weeks in, I was like, I don't think I ever want to drink again because I just felt so much better. And I had been, yeah, really sitting with these uncomfortable feelings and, you know, having flashbacks to bad nights out and thinking like, why did I keep doing this to myself over so many years when it's never really made me feel that good. Like if I have a positive memory of a night out with alcohol, often there was a moment that things weren't great or it didn't end well. 
not every single time, but maybe seven times out of 10, they're not good odds. So now, like, you know, it's been 13 months and 400 and something days and I never have a bad night out. Like, you know, you, you might go to something that isn't the most fun thing in the world, but it never ends in drama. It never ends in tears. I always feel in control of what I'm doing. I don't have regrets the next day. I remember everything. Like the clarity that I feel is amazing. And I also feel so much more confident because when I go into a night out, I know exactly what to expect. I know which Olivia is going to be there. Like she's the same. We don't get the drunk Olivia anymore. We don't like her. Um, It's just so much better. And I got to say, Liv, I think this is probably going to make you like, you know, swivel in your seat because I, I never feel comfortable when someone says this to me. But honestly, there's that many people who look up to you. You are that cool person in their mind. With you making a decision like this in yourself, which as we kind of touched on in the Australian culture is a difficult one. Like there's no, I have no doubt in my mind that over this last year, you've gone out with some friends and they might've said something, oh, what? Like, nah, I have one, come on, it's fine. Or are you pregnant? Asking that question. And so I think by you being so open about making this decision for yourself and sharing it with so many, you are sparking the thought in so many young women, but anyone's lives thinking, it's actually something I don't really enjoy either. I wonder why I do it. And just asking themselves that question. And it's like, well, live someone I really look up to. If she can do it, I can do it. And I know that that feels a bit weird, but it is, it's so powerful and it, you should be very proud. Thanks, Steph. I do think it's like, you know, if you, you can't be what you can't see. And I hadn't really seen anybody who socialised as much as I do mm. who didn't drink. And I think that's the thing is like my life hasn't actually changed in the way of what I do, like we still socialize as much as we did before, but I'll often be the only person at the table that's not drinking, but I feel comfortable with that now. Whereas before I felt super awkward and and to begin with, it did feel hard. Like I felt like everyone was watching me and I felt like everybody noticed that I was sober, but the truth is that's not the case. Um, It definitely feels that way when it's something you're not used to, but now I just don't think about it. I think as long as you're surrounding yourself with the right people and supportive friends, I mean, it's like anything. You you don't feel uncomfortable and, you, and it doesn't feel wrong. Um, you know, if I did have friends that were challenging it or saying like, come on, like it's been a year now, like get back on the drink. Like nobody has said that to me because they all see the change in me and they know how much better I feel. So they're not going to push back against that. And and Justin, like he still drinks. He drinks exactly the same as, we, as he did before when I was drinking, but um, you know, he doesn't wake up with anxiety and he doesn't feel awful or beat himself up or any of that. So I would never expect him to stop. And people sort of, that baffles people, I think, because a lot of people who do um, quit alcohol struggle if their partner still drinks. And I think maybe that's more like if someone's battled addiction. Like mm. I think if if I struggled to be around alcohol, then that would be really hard if Justin was still drinking and I, you know, had had, an addiction problem but you know I don't feel that way like I I don't mind anyone drinking around me you can drink as much as you want and as long as people are having a good time and happy and most of my friends are like actually all of them are like they if they drink I just find them funny and they're having a good time I don't find them annoying um but also the best thing about not drinking is like I usually drive and I can just pull the pin whenever I want so if people are starting to get annoying or I feel you know tired I can just leave and 
leave them to it and then I wake up feeling great and they don't. And usually they'll message me on a Sunday being like, people I'm jealous of right now, OMR, um, <laughs> because, you know, they're all feeling pretty dodgy. But, but yeah, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. That is such, such, such great advice. And I think, I think for a lot of people, what I love what you said is that you still are social because I, I agree. I think like Australians think like social drinking mm. can't do one without the other, but you obviously absolutely can. And for people listening, thinking that, you know, it's kind of like, I suppose how you felt all of those weekends when you were like, I just don't, don't really know where to start, you know, because mm. it's like, oh, I'm going to, if we've all had that hangover where we're like, I'm never going to drink again, but then we don't actually action it. But then mm. you did. Um, and, and obviously it's made such incredible positive impact to your life. For people thinking about, oh, I've, I've always thought about possibly taking some time off drinking, but I don't know where to start. What, what's your advice to them? There are so many resources. Like as soon as you sort of open that can of worms, you're like, oh my God, they're <laughs> everywhere. Um, it, there's, you know, people on Instagram, lots of sobriety pages. Hello Sunday Morning is a really, really good one. Um, but there are literally hundreds. Um, there are podcasts, there are books, there's, yeah, online programs. I think if you just Google <laughs> sobriety or you Google, you know, um, 30 days off alcohol, the amount of things that will pop up for you mm-hmm. is quite amazing. I have a, um, a highlight on my page of, um, I think I called it alcohol free or something along those lines. Um, and I save resources and, you know, non-alcoholic drinks that I like and, and all of those things. So that's all there. But also, yeah, podcasts. I've done lots of interviews talking about this. Um, gone into a lot of depth I actually I spoke recently to Tully on her podcast too much Tully we both got quite emotional talking about it um when it had just been a year for me not drinking and and we reflected on my reasons why and and I actually read some of my journal um from when I quit and that was quite eye-opening but um but amazing like to see the change Mm. uh so yeah the resources are there if you're looking for it and my advice would be just try just start with 30 days because I think saying oh I'm going to cut it out forever is so overwhelming like that's such a big call Mm -hmm. especially if you are someone that drinks at every social event to suddenly say I'm not going to drink for the rest of my life is like it's such a big decision so start small even start with two weeks and see how you feel and go from there Um, but I do think don't just go cold turkey and then stay at home like you've got to challenge yourself you've got to go to events and see how you feel without alcohol and also reflect on it so lots of journaling and and really look into your relationship with alcohol and and if it is serving you and if it's not then making a change I love that thank you Liv that's such good advice and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast for the third time I know (laughs) it's so good to have you um we we appreciate it so so much it's been such a joy to talk to you so thank you for coming on no I could talk to you guys for hours always so thank you (laughs) thanks for having me thank you Liv Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Liv as much as we did. We will be back in your ears next week. You can find out more about Keep It Cleaner, www.keepitcleaner.com or you can find us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner and us at laura.henshaw at Smith, and we're all on TikTok. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)